the teachings of the apostles, or the catechism of the early church. Join Pastor Hook in today's teaching of the Didache. All right, so um, we are in, uh, we're wrapping up the first part of the Didache. The Didache is basically the catechism of the early church uh, as kind of put together by the apostles. They had the stories of Jesus, they had the teachings of Jesus, but when people wanted to become baptized, they said, well, there's, there's things you need to know about baptism before you get baptized. And so they had a little catechism that they would teach. This is the catechism of the apostles or what they, the, or the teachings of the apostle. The, the book is called Didache, which is the Greek word for teaching. And um, we have already gone into the way of life, but today we're going to look at the way of death. And as a brief preface into this, um, I, 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 like, I like this way of thinking, that it's the way of life and the way of death. Because if you want to live the full, abundant life that Jesus has for you, it really is a matter of behaviors of which you do and behaviors of which you avoid. Because sin, we always think about sin or the things that God doesn't like in our life. Well, he doesn't like them in our life because they're actually poison for our life. And I think poison is a good word. Like if you want to fill your stuff, there, there's two things you can fill in your life. One is good food that makes you grow healthy or miracle grow that lets your roots grow or, or behaviors that, that, keep, that make your life abundant and flourish and joyful and peaceful and loving and kind where the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all of that stuff um, fill your life and make it just a wonderful life. Wasn't there a movie, Wonderful Life? The, that's that's the I don't know what you would call it food. What's the opposite of poison? Uh, miracle grow comes to mind, but basically nutrition, right? Nutri healthy nutrition, maybe is a good word for it. If you really want to grow in your life, eat healthy nutrition. Do healthy nutritional things, and we just spent four chapters looking at that. But if you want to poison your life, if you want to be a person of death, if you want to have a person. Uh, if you want to be a person who withers away and dies and doesn't grow and doesn't flourish, then fill your life with these things and you will do that. And that's what we're going to talk about today in chapter five, because these really truly are at its root. These are the way of death. It's poison. It's, it's stuff that doesn't make you grow. It's stuff that makes you not uh, interact with society around you in healthy ways and people avoid you because they don't like you and uh, and you're always, you're always doing things that are deceitful and ugly. And so people avoid you and your family avoids you. And you just have a miserable, depressing life. And that's no fun. <laughs> I mean, you may think it's fun because you may have some things with a miserable, depressing life that people envy. Uh, it, could be, it could be power. It could be prestige. It could be wealth. It could be uh, you know, nice, fancy things, uh, you know, you could have all that kind of stuff, but be miserable. And uh, who wants fancy stuff and be miserable? I'd rather be happy and, and just have the basic, simple things of life. Um, that's, that's kind of what Jesus talked about. He didn't have anything, right? He, other than the, the clothes on his back and maybe a little bit of food and maybe a little bit of coins in a purse, Jesus really didn't have anything. And yet, I would say he probably lived the most abundant, most healthy, most wonderful, most fantastic life that anybody's ever lived. 
Um, he, he did not avoid death. He did not avoid some people being angry at him. Uh, he did not avoid conflict. Uh, he did not avoid the challenges of life, and yet he navigated them to have the most abundant life ever. So uh, Jesus did not participate in the way of death, and that's what we're going to look about at today. So we're going to look at the way of death, which is uh, basically the Didache chapter 5. Uh, it's only one, one chapter. It's actually only two verses. So it's the way of death is not hard, my friends. Uh, just don't do these things and you will live, uh, you know, concentrate on the way of life. Don't do the things of death and you will have a wonderful life. So we're going to just go into that. So this is Didache chapter five, beginning of verse one, the way of death. But the way of death is this. First of all, it is wicked, full of cursing, murders, adulteries, lusts, fornications, thefts, idolatries, witchcrafts, charms, robberies, false witness, hypocrisies, a double heart, fraud, pride, malice, stubbornness, covetousness, foul speech, jealousy, impudence, haughtiness, boastfulness. All right, so that's a lot of words. And um, a lot of them are repeat words from earlier. When we went into chapter 2, we looked at the way of life, and the way of life was basically avoiding most of these things. So we've seen most of this before. Um, so it's it's a double-edged sword. You avoid you avoid the things of death, and you do the things of life. So when you're talking about the way of life, avoid the things of death. Well, these are the ways of death. So we've seen most of these before. Um, it's wickedness. It's cursing. Murder. Uh, murder is one of the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. Uh, and obviously murder, there's a whole bunch of reasons not to murder. One is you're, you're taking a life which is precious, that God loves, that he cares for. Uh, and there's a lot of reason why people murder. We talked about that in chapter two. But the other thing about murder, and uh, Edgar Allan Poe, right, saw this in The Bleeding Heart or whatever, um, is that when you murder someone, uh, it, it can come back and haunt you. It can, it can actually destroy your life because you took the most precious thing of somebody that they have, and is, which is their life. And so a murdering, yes, it takes a life. And yes, you know, in, in the realm of the world, uh, you can be put in jail. You can actually be killed for murdering someone with capital punishment. There, there, it, murder is not good. And we know that murder is not good in a whole bunch of levels. But it's poison. Murder is poison to your soul. I mean, think about that. That when you murder someone, it's like taking a part of your soil, a soil, soul, and putting poison in it. And it can actually destroy you and kill you. Um, it take. It, we know that murder is something that that God can forgive on the vert on the you know this plane, the vertical plane. The horizontal plane, there are lots of punishments that you have to deal with for sure. But on the vertical plane, if you confess that sin, remember King David murdered uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite. Uh, he had him put at the front of the line where he was killed by the enemy. And it was, in a way, David murdering so he could have Bathsheba. Um, and David had incredible... Um, uh, guilt over that, and particularly when people found out about it, he was it was horrible. And for him to recover from that, took a lot of healing. 
Um, so there is recovery from murder. I mean, don't go and murder because you may not recover. You might go down a spiral of which you'll never recover, which is why God says don't murder. I mean, among the other reasons which God says don't murder, don't murder because it destroys your soul. Uh, it, can, it, it has the potential to, to make you live in agony and pain and suffering for the rest of your life. So don't murder. Don't, and adultery is the same way. Don't have adultery. That's another of the Ten Commandments. Um, we always think about adultery as something that God doesn't want because, you know, because God's displeased with it. But adultery truly is, and the biblical definition of adultery is um, being married to one person, being joined to one person, which we solidify in marriage. And the way we solidify marriage is by consummating that marriage. So having that relationship which produces children and then going outside of that relationship uh, to destroy you know, your primary relationship by doing something outside of that relationship, that's adultery. It's completely forbidden uh, in the Ten Commandments and it's a way of death. Um, because if you think about what marriage is, you know, a man and a woman coming together to produce children and the two shall become one flesh and they'll uh, I've been thinking about this, um, man, just think of the beauty of, of having children that two people can come together and then they can create life. They can create life. God in his infinite love created the universe and then he breathed life into this world. He created life and we as humans who are created in the image of God, we get, to, we get to participate in that creation of life by joining together as men and women and create, creating a new life. This was something that didn't exist before. Uh, this sentient human being that shall live forever, that didn't live before, this creating of the human spirit and life all together, we get to be like many gods by creating life. And then not only do we get to create life, but we get to raise that life and teach that life and be everything to those children for a period of time. Uh, we get to go through that whole process, which is in effect being like a, a being like God. We get to create life. We get to nurture that life. We get to have the suffering from that life, but we get to have the joy from that life. All of that that God created us by creating us in his image. He created us to create life and nurture life and to be, to be I don't want to say God, but king over our domain, uh, that, we, that we get that joy. And uh, you know, for me, it was the greatest joy of life was to raise children. I mean, I'm still, I'm still helping raise, even when they're in their 20s, I'm still very much involved in their life. But um, that, that brings me just... A joy unlimited. It's the I, I don't know if there is another joy in life than that. And then adultery is like is like violating that. And it's poison. It's poison to the family. It's poison to the marriage relationship. It's just poison. Lusts. There's all sorts of. Uh, I think that's probably sexual lusts because the next one is fornication, uh, which is a you know a sexual term. Thefts. Uh, don't steal other people's stuff. Um, if you want to be in a relationship with other people, 
uh, and you start stealing from them, then you're, you're not going to be in a relationship with other people for long. They're going to know that you're a person that steals, and so they're going to avoid you. And part of being created as humans is that we are in relationship with all the people around us. So we want to have people want to be in a relationship with around us. That's the greatest joy of life is, is the other people. Uh, and so when you steal from other people, they don't want to be around you. So it's not good to steal. Idolatries have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. Witchcrafts, uh, trying to harness the powers of the spiritual world to do evil against other people. That's not good. Charms, not good. Robberies, not good. False witness. Nobody wants to be around somebody that does false witness. So false witness, basically, is using your voice to lie so that somebody, either you or somebody else, gets more power over someone else. I mean, that's basically what that is. And uh, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, he was not about power. He was not about worldly power. Let me put it that way. He did not run for political office. He did not gain wealth. He did not have fancy stuff. His power was on a spiritual realm. And his power is more lasting and more beautiful. And his power was being... Uh, loving and kind and generous to everybody that he met, such that people wanted to follow him, wanted to be with him, wanted to to love him, and that he loved them, and 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 through that, just live an actually fantastic, abundant life without power and wealth and uh, prestige. So when you do false witness, you're basically uh, using your voice to. to I mean, the greatest example of false witness is in the book of Amos, where the prophet Amos yells at the elite in Israel because they're bearing false witness, they're hoarding wealth um, to the extent that the people at the very lower end were dying. Uh, they had nothing, and yet they, the people at the top said, well, I still don't have enough, so I'm, I'm going to bear false, I'm going to use all my power and influence to bear false witness against people so I have even more power and influence in this world. False witness is horrible. And do not bear false witness. That's a Ten Commandment one also. Don't be a hypocrite. Uh, say what you mean, mean what you say. Live the life as open and transparent. I could go into the Johari window here, which is um, psychologists will tell you that the more transparent you are in this world, that the person you are in public if that, if that person you are in public is the same person that you are in private and is the same person that you are in your heart, like if all three of those are aligned, then you are, you are the healthiest people on the face of the earth. So don't be a hypocrite. Don't be double-hearted. Don't be a fraud. <laughs> don't have pride. I mean, you can have pride in some things, but don't have false pride, right? Don't have malice. Don't be stubborn. You ever meet people that are just stubborn? They, they're just stubborn for stubborn sake. Now, in, in some respects, some people are born with a critical eye that they just see things that other people can't see. Like they see the dangers ahead of going in a certain way. And those voices need to be heard. But being stubborn just for stubborn sake, just because you want to add evil into the system, don't be stubborn that way. If you're in a group, let's say a, a group that's gathered together to do something, right? They're going to come up with a great idea. They're going to flesh out that idea. They're going to come up with a plan of that idea. 
and then they're going to execute that idea. You know, that sort of thing. You need stubborn people in that process that are going to say, wait, this doesn't work. I've done it before. I've seen it before. And I'm telling you, you need to listen to me. And so they're a little bit stubborn in that way. That's healthy. That's good. I think the stubbornness we're talking about here is just people are stubborn for stubborn sake. No matter what, they're never happy. They're always stubborn. You can never convince them to do anything. Um, and that's not a healthy way to life uh, to live. Nobody wants to be around somebody that's, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, it's not a nervous Nelly, but uh, oh well. Anyway, people that are just always stubborn. They, they're always stubborn. They never have anything positive to say. They're just stubborn. Covetousness, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Foul speech, um, you know, don't, sp don't speak the name of your Lord God. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain uh, is a little bit different from foul speech. But nobody wants to be around somebody that cusses all the time. Yeah, it's interesting. When I was a kid, cussing was just, there were certain words you never, ever said. Um, and now I hear them all the time. Even, I mean, uh, even political people say them all the time. People, um, it's just, it's weird um, that we have loosened the rules of, I mean, free speech is good, so that's good. But the words that we brought into our speech just because we can and they're effective and they have shock value. Uh, and my, my thought to you is if that brings, you know, if you're saying those because you want to have shock value, once those become no longer shocking, then what words do we say to give shock value? And then what words give shock value? And what things do we do to give shock value to take notice or give attention or whatever? Don't do that. Don't play that game. Don't have foul speech. Don't be jealous. No impudence, haughtiness, boastfulness. Those are great words. Um, uh, yeah. All right, we'll go on verse two. Persecutors of good, haters of truth, lovers of lies, knowing not the reward of righteousness, not cleaving to the good nor to the righteous judgment, Spending wakeful nights, not for the good, but for wickedness. Um, how many of you ever had a, a, a sleepless night, a wakeful night? So here it's uh, having wakeful nights, not for good, but for wickedness. So you can have a wakeful night thinking about good things, which is awesome. You wake up and you think good things. That's, that's okay, according to this. I mean, we all talk about sleep and how sleep's important. Uh, and some of us actually wake up, um, we can wake up because we just have all this positive energy flowing through our veins and uh, we're excited. That's, that's okay. You can't stop that. Um, and you might even fall back asleep. But thinking about uh, ways to do evil or wickedness and waking up because of weak, wicked and evilness, man, if that's not a spiral to go out of control, I have no idea what is. Um, yeah, spending wakeful nights not for good but for wickedness. From whom meekness and patience is far, lovers of vanity, following after reward, unmerciful to the poor, not working for him who is oppressed with toil, without knowledge of him who made them, murderers of children, corrupters of God's creatures, turning away the needy, oppressing the distressed, advocates of the rich, unjust judges of the poor, altogether sinful, 
may ye be delivered my children from all of these so if you'll remember um this is uh this is kind of a, a continuation of chapter four in a way where who's writing this is saying technon my little children which is a a way that the apostle john talked to his disciples um, he called them my little children so we're ending with this my little children um so this is a, this is a loving father or a loving rabbi or loving teacher just saying don't do these things um don't follow after reward don't be unmerciful to the poor uh, don't not working for him who is oppressed the people that are oppressed in this world and it seems like it always happens in this world that the people with power at the top will use their power to gain more power and wealth and they'll oppress the poor it's always happened and we as followers of jesus should always try to uh, avoid that uh, fight against that um, i think the whole constitution of the united states was written so that we would not have an elite class in the United States. And um, that was something that Thomas Jefferson extremely fought against, and the, uh, the, that we don't have an elite class, a, a, peop a people who just use their power and influence to bring power and influence into the world around them. Um, so uh, if, if there are people like that, either in our country or across the world, we should at some level fight against that. Um, murderers of children. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. Uh, we, we did talk about in chapter two how you shouldn't. Uh, it talked about taking life in the womb and taking life right after the womb. Um, the children at some level can cause you uh what is the cost of a child today? $250,000 to raise a child. I mean, that is a significant investment into another life that you're bringing into this world. And so it requires sacrifice on people's parts. And if people are not willing to make that sacrifice, then they kill the life that they have the ability to do. So right now, we would never murder children outside of the womb, I pray. But we do in the womb. Um, and I would say that happens because uh, because people don't want that sacrifice in their life they're, they're not they're not willing to make the sacrifice that it takes to have children and there is a there is a sacrifice there's always a sacrifice but think about this God didn't have to create the universe and create all of his children but he did it out of love even though it came at a great sacrifice to himself there's always a sacrifice to have to create children there's always a sacrifice to create that. So we have a sacrifice by having our own children, but it's a sacrifice we're willing to take because it, it brings us joy. It brings us love. It brings us peace. Um, and so if we are upset that people are killing children, we can fight in one way. We can fight by saying this is wrong. You shouldn't do it. But another way of fighting against it might be trying to convince people to show them what a beautiful thing it is to have children what an incredible joy it is to have children what what love and life and abundance and happiness and uh, and um, just sheer joy it is to have children because if you don't see that if you never see that of course you're going to think that children are just a burden in this world 
I think it's incumbent upon Christians to show the world how much joy there is in having children and how much joy they bring to our life. Because uh, that's a way, uh, you can fight it with a lot of laws, uh, that's for sure. But another way to fight against the murdering of children is just to show the world how much joy there is in having children and for the church to help parents as they raise their children because it is tough and it does cost a lot of money and there's no question about it. Um, it's a sacrifice, but it's well worth it. So um, turning away the needy, oppressing the distressed, advocates of the rich, unjust judges of the poor, altogether sinful. This is all kind of Book of Amos prophet stuff because it got really corrupted uh, in Israel 4,000 years ago. Uh, may you be delivered from all of that. So that, all that's the way of death. So my friends, don't follow the way of death. Follow the way of life. Um, we're going to start tomorrow into, uh, there's one little chapter six that we'll go through, and then we're going to start into some of the catechism that's really, really fascinating. So I'm guessing as I look at this, it'll probably take about this week and next week, and then we'll finish the Didache, and then we'll go into another book. Uh, but I, I pray that this has been helpful for you. Uh, it's certainly just a great pleasure of me to be able to spend this time with you, and I pray that you have a wonderful day. It's a cloudy day. Uh, I don't know if it'll stay cloudy all day, but it's a beautiful day, and the wind has died down, so that's exciting. Let's close in prayer. Gracious God, for the blessings of this day, we thank you. Be with us uh, as we follow your words and as we follow you. Fill us with your joy and your peace and your love and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.